Hey everybody out there, how's it going with you? Welcome to Screenspeak, the podcast that's all about movies, life, and so much more. I'm Jordan Anderson, this is my podcast, and I'm sincerely thankful, grateful, and appreciative that you have decided to come by and listen to today's final episode of 2022. 2022, that's right, it has come to a close, it is it is done, or nearly done, depending on when you're listening to this, but this is the last episode of 2022, so welcome to it. If it is your first time coming by and listening to this podcast, well, welcome. I'm Jordan Anderson. I already told you that, but I'm going to tell you again and again and again. Uh, just kidding. I, I don't actually say my name over and over again, but I will say right now, screen speak over and over again, because it is the plug portion of this podcast. So here we go. If this is your first time here, I want you to go ahead and hit the follow button as well as the bell, depending on where you're listening to, uh, on what you're listening to this on, I should say, hit the follow button, hit that bell. That way you won't miss out on future episodes and you help support the growth and listening base of this podcast. You can also check out the podcast on its social media channels, which at this moment is Instagram and Facebook community. Uh, or there is a community group on Facebook is what I'm trying to say. So you can check out both those. Uh, you can also reach out to the podcast at any time if you'd like by emailing it on its Gmail account, which is at ScreenSpeak, or excuse me, it's not as about the same Instagram handle. It's an email account. It's ScreenSpeakPodcast at gmail.com. So any inquiries, uh, guests, anything like that that have any interest in coming on the podcast or you want to work something out, I don't know who's listening to this. Maybe you want to work out something. I don't know. You have the email on there, uh, or you can just check out all this stuff in the description of this episode and most any episode uh, to get connected with all those plugs. So please go ahead and do that. Again, that's more so for the first-time people, for the existing folks out there like yourself. Uh, I'm just going to assume that you've already done that. I, don't make me check, right? Like, Don't make me like go up to you and just like pester you and be like, hey, d- d- did you actually do it? You know, I mean, I know I say it, but like, did you actually, do you actually follow through on your word? Are you a person of your word? I, I don't even say man of your word because, you know, it could be a man, it could be a woman, it uh, could be really any gender or sex or whatever that is listening to this. Why did I feel to the need to be so PC dodgy with my words there? Not really sure, but what the hey, or what the heck, the show goes on. Okay, so... With it being year-end of 2022, I felt it appropriate to go ahead and release to you all a best and worst of 2022, as well as my most anticipated movies that I'm looking forward to in the new year, which is 2023. Now, I've never actually done one of these before on a podcast. I know in my past YouTube life, I have dabbled in this a bit, so I'm kind of familiar with how the format works. You know, you generally talk about uh, the movies that you love, the the movies that you didn't like, and you talk about the ones that are, of course, anticipated. That, of course, we, we all know. Uh, but what I should get out of the way first is just a couple of light disclaimers, if you will. So first, and I hope that this would go without saying on an episode like this, this list I'm going to give you it is purely subjective. It's also based entirely off of what I have seen throughout the year. Uh, I do not do this full time as my day job. So that means I don't really have all day and night to sit around and watch every single release that comes out. Uh, one day that would be great to have that kind of time or to be able to do that, you know, 
as a way to help the profession. But for now, it's just not really in the cards. And so the movies that I'm talking about are just purely ones that I have actually seen this year. Uh, so that is the the movies that you'll get out of this list. <clears throat> also, uh, as far as spoilers go on this, uh, I don't think that this is going to be a spoiler episode. But if at any point I feel that I may have to spoil something as a means to talk about the movie, I'll go ahead and just put out a spoiler disclaimer in the episode. And that way you have full awareness of that. So if you understand all that, which I think you do, I'm going to go ahead and just keep trying trucking ahead I was about to say trucking ahead or charging ahead i'm not even sure let me let me actually look this up quick because i you know people a lot of people say a bunch of different sayings on things but how often do we actually stop and see if what we're saying is an actual saying uh versus just complete nonsense let's see uh what does trucking ahead mean and see i don't even know like i, I don't even know if this is a saying uh, let's see. Truck ahead. Mm, this isn't really looking great. I may have just pulled some BS out of my rear. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got nothing. Uh, actually, for some reason, when I typed in what does trucking ahead mean on Google, uh, one of the top search results was from whitehouse.gov and it showed a fact sheet of the Biden-Harris administration's trucking action plan to strengthen America's trucking workforce. Oh, good Lord. I guess they have plans for everything up at the big old White House. But whatever. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about movies. All right. So I want to go ahead and be positive. Let, let's, let's start with the positive, which I can tell you, fortunately, uh, is going to far outweigh any of the negatives that came from this year. I actually didn't really see a ton of, I didn't really see a ton of bad movies this year. Not that I'm sure there weren't plenty that came out, uh, but I really try to go out of my way to not watch a shit fest if I can help it. Uh, but you know, sometimes you, you, you can't always tell, or you don't always just want to take critics words for it or people that have strong movie opinions like myself's word, uh, on if a movie sucks, uh, if it sucks or not. So, you know, you know, take that what you will, but I just didn't really see that many terrible, terrible movies this year. And I think I can also tell you that thankfully this year, while I wouldn't say it's particularly like one of the strongest years ever in the history of movies, I do feel that 2022 uh, has been a significantly better year than certainly what we had in 2021 and uh, most notably in 2020 when, you know, the movies movies as a whole, the entertainment industry just took such, such a hit, uh, because of the coronavirus that, that, you know, is still, still out there, still out there people. So anyways, uh, it, it was a, it was a solid year. I mean, like we, we got a couple of really big blockbusters, uh, you know, a couple of which you'll probably not be surprised that I'm going to mention. Uh, but then I think there were some other movies that didn't get as much love, uh, that are on this list of mine. So I want to go ahead and, you know, just start naming these. Uh, oh, <clears throat> so I, you know, I'm sorry. I, I am, I am bad at doing this sometimes. Uh, I say like I'm going to do it, but then I don't quite do it yet. So I got to mention one last thing. And then I swear to, to anything that you want to swear to that I will move on. And that is that this is not like a top 10. So these movies don't have like a particular order of better or worse. But I am going to do my very best on the fly to name 
out of all of these, which one I do think is the best movie of 2022. I, I will give a definitive on that because I just I don't want to cop out to you, Screenspeak. I, I want to be as real as I can. So at the end of this list, I will take which one of those out of that list and name it as my best of 2022. So with that said, <clears throat> I'm going to take a quick sip of the old agua here, and we're going to keep trucking ahead. I, I don't care if it's a saying or not. I'm making it a saying, okay? So here we go. All right. So first up, let's start things strong, and that's Top Gun Maverick. Now, <clears throat> Uh, I haven't done a podcast on this or honestly likely several other titles that are on that list, though I have talked about some, uh, but Top Gun Maverick is certainly worthy of being on this list for a multitude of reasons. One, it's a legacy sequel, and not every legacy sequel is, one, all that good, or two, arguably better than the first. So this joins the club of legacy sequels that are, dare say, better than the first. Uh, something that comes to mind for me on that would be arguably Blade Runner 2049. Some people would say that that's better than the original Blade Runner. Uh, Godfather 2 being better than Godfather 1. I think you get where I'm going with this. But Top Gun Maverick was, to me, a surprise. I was never really a big fan of the first one. You know, I got I to gotta tell you. got to tell you. Wasn't a huge fan of the first one. I think it was a product of its time. I, I do get the appeal. Uh, it's very pro-American, very you know, pro-military, uh, very macho, very uh, action-oriented, had charismatic lead in Tom Cruise, great supporting actor in Val Kilmer, uh, you know, directed by the late, great Tony Scott. I, I, I understand on the page uh, certainly what's there, but it just never really had that sort of sentimental nostalgic value that I think it held for a lot of people that watched it during its peak heyday, uh, which let me actually see when was the original Top Gun release. Let's let me take a look at this. Uh, Top Gun release date. They'll probably give me the Maverick one. <clears throat> yeah. So Maverick came up here first, May 27th of 2022. Uh, but the original Top Gun came out on May 16th of 1986. Uh, so certainly a long time ago. <clears throat> but in any case, I like this new one a hell of a lot better than the other one because A, the technology, and now I understand they probably couldn't do a lot of what they were able to pull off in this new one. So I don't know if it's really fair to necessarily pit the two against each other and say that, oh, technology is going to be so much better because, well, yeah, of course it's going to be better. It's how many years into the future? You understand. But the technology really was spectacular in here. I mean, they got a lot of real actual flying. Tom Cruise himself did a lot of his actual uh, flying in the movie. Don't know how much of it's assisted through the Navy versus how much is 100% him. But in any case, that is definitely him in a jet. Uh, and you also have a lot of the supporting cast members. Uh, you know, I think, uh, what is it? Miles Teller, Glenn Powell, uh, Bill Pullman's son. I can't, Lewis Pullman, is that his name? I think so. Uh, you know, a lot of them, you got them in jets doing real, uh, real jet flying. You have really excellent camera work of the jets. Everything's caught really well in frame. It looks great. It feels great. Uh, and it really just had the feel of what a really true big screen spectacle should have. Uh, it, it has, you know, the danger zones back. 
Um, it has stakes. You feel the emotional weight to it. There's some emotional gut punches, if you will. And it's an overall just very pleasing film to watch. Uh, I only saw the movie actually in theaters the one time, which I don't know if I saw this right in May. Because if you if you all remember, this movie stayed in theaters a long time uh, because it made a shit ton of money. Let me see actually how much how much did Top Gun make? Top Gun Maverick box office. Let's let's guess. Does anyone have a guess? Let's see. Holy hell. Okay, well this thing made a truckload of money, let me tell you. Uh drum roll please for whatever your guess is, but the real answer according to Google is 1.488 billion billion billion. United States dollars, and that is worldwide. So it says right here, it grossed $1.488 billion worldwide, making it the highest grossing film of 2022. Uh, and it goes on further to say the second film released since the COVID-19 pandemic to gross $1 billion and the highest grossing film of Cruz's career. Well, that makes that all makes sense. Uh, but I really very much enjoyed the movie. I would like to get the 4K of it as, as soon as I can. I actually just got a bunch of, of different movies for uh, for Christmas. If anybody's interested in what those are for some reason, you can check that out on the Instagram. So check that out on the Instagram account if you're interested in that. But I didn't get I didn't get a Top Gun Maverick. So I guess my birthday's coming up here in the next. Uh, when the hell is my birthday? Oh yeah. It's sometime in January. I'm not going to say which date, but it's sometime in January. If you figure it out, well, bully for you. Now, I think that one is an expression, but I'm not going to Google it. Okay. <clears throat> so maybe I'll get that for a birthday. But until then, I really loved it. It was a great theater experience. I'm sure I would love to watch the movie at home on my big TV in all its 4K glory. But anyways, uh, those are all my quick thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. <clears throat> Okay, uh, next up on here as a best of 2022 is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, this was a surprise, I think, for a number of people. Not going to say so much myself because the Daniels, as, film, as far as filmmakers go, they caught my attention with their 2016 release of Swiss Army Man, which I know I've talked about that on the podcast. But they really caught my attention with that movie because, one... And just like everything, everywhere, all at once, it was wildly original, daring, bold, funny, heartfelt. And I think this movie has all the same elements that Swiss Army Man had based on those factors. But everything, everywhere, all at once, I just found to be more ambitious. It had a lot of things that it was quite literally having to juggle. You have Michelle Yeoh, I think I'm saying her name right, apologies, apologies if I'm not, um, but you have her playing a multitude of different versions of herself, it's a very complex character to portray, some of which has to be portrayed very quickly because of how many quick cuts that they have to do in the editing process, which as a quick shout out, just on the subject of editing, when those Academy Awards come around, this movie should be a real high contender in the subject of film editing. And the reason I say that is because just given the sheer amount of different multiverses that this movie had on display and some of the quick pace that they had to take you on as an audience member without throwing you too much and losing you, I think that is 
incredible. It's incredible to behold how well they did it. And God only knows how much time it took to be able to get so meticulously down. I mean, they just had it down to a science with, with how good it was in that movie. Um, but I, I just, I really enjoyed the movie. And I, I think what connected with me the most on it is that at its core, it was a story about family as uh, a story about a mother reconnecting with her daughter. Um, it's a story of an immigrant uh, trying to find her way in the world and, and find a way to become her best self. So it had a lot of these core themes throughout the movie that I think were relatable on a lot of levels, all while it being really heightened by the uh, ridiculousness of some of these multiverse concepts that are in the movie. I, I mean, at one point in, in the movie, uh, like she becomes a rock and she's talking to her husband, which is also a rock. And there's, I don't even think, I don't think there's audio for this scene. It's just, you hear the noise of the outdoors and just there's subtitles with the rocks talking. I remember watching that scene and just being like, man, they really went for it in this one. And I, I got to give it to them for that. Cause even for parts of the movie, I may not have liked as much as others, I just, I really commend the Daniels for just being all out as far as their originality goes and just bearing it all on the screen. I mean, like they, they fricking went for it in this movie. And, and so for that alone, I, I got to give it to my best of 2022 list. All right. Next up is Prey. I actually talked about Prey on the podcast for the one year anniversary special, I believe. Uh, for some reason that I still can't quite figure out this for the, the powers that be decided that this would be a Hulu exclusive, in other words, uh, subjected to being stuck on streaming. Uh, it's a disappointment for myself, uh, just because I love physical media. I, I do try to talk about it as often as I can on the podcast. It's not the sole focus of it, but it, it's certainly something I try to embed throughout these episodes. Get and support physical media. Get and support physical media. Get and... <laughs> Okay, is that that's I think I've made my message clear, right? <clears throat> but but still, I, I just found it a bummer that a movie like this is not, as far as I know, gonna get a physical release. It's just gonna go into the black void that is the completed movies that you watched in a streaming bucket that just sit there and, and go nowhere. And I, I just I don't know. I actually have another episode, um, another couple episodes actually planned around the subject of streaming that will now at this point get released in early 2023, it looks like. But stay tuned for those if you want to catch the full thoughts on streaming. But for now, let's just jump back to Prey. So I really like this movie because it had a great concept behind it. You take a terrific science fiction creature like the Predator and you throw him back to when the Native Americans were uh, at their height, <clears throat> it makes a couple of interesting things happen. You have the technology challenges of the people that have to fight the Predator, and you also have to figure out a way to not have the Predator feel massively overpowered considering that you know, the Predator has all this sci-fi technology at its disposal, whereas the Indians, they got bow and arrows and mud and tracking and whatever else they have. Uh, but it's certainly no ray guns and, and phasers and whatnot that you would have in the future. So there's that aspect of it. You also have the aspect of not really having any real big leads in the movie. 
no discredit to Amber Midthunder. I think she was a standout in the movie, and it's certainly this movie, Prey, I'm sure is going to be a, a big help to her career and a boost. But, you know, not exactly a, an Arnold Schwarzenegger or any real star power behind it. So you have that. But with all that said, I think, is it Dan Trachten, Trachtenberg? Who the hell is the director of Prey? probably end up looking up every one of these movies as I continue to talk about them. Uh, let's see. Dan. Yeah, okay. I think I said it right. Dan Trachtenberg. We'll just call him Dan. Well, Dan was a very good director of Prey. I think he held held it very steady, had a solid direction on it. It wasn't a crazy cast that he had to juggle. The concept was dialed in, uh, much like the original was. So I really think of all the different Predator movies that we've had, Prey could arguably be the best behind the original, because I, I just don't know if you can ever really, truly top the original Predator with Arnold. Get to the chopper! And with that, we're going to get to the next movie. Uh, this next one, sadly, is also a, a streaming release. Maybe it'll get a physical release one day. Who knows? Uh, but that's Adam Sandler in Hustle, or Hustle with Adam Sandler is what I should say. <clears throat> so I have a separate podcast on this that's actually going to get recorded sometime over this weekend, I want to say. Uh, I have a guest coming on for that. I won't spoil who it is. I'll just say it is a previous guest of the podcast, but one that has not been on for a little bit. Uh, so more on that to come. But there is a solo episode for this for my full thoughts that are coming. But for now, Hustle makes the list because the Sandman once again defies uh, expectation. He goes outside of his comfort zone of comedy and brings you still a, a light ish character, uh, but certainly more dramatic than he is typically known for over the bulk of his career. Um, it's always welcome for me to see Adam Sandler do that because almost every time that he has done it, he's he's greatly impressed. And, and I really felt his performance in this was, was very, very good. Uh, and it's also a lot for me to say that I like this movie as much as I did, considering it is a sports movie, a basketball one at that. I'm not anti-sports by any means, but just I'm not, uh, I'm not a sporty guy, you know, uh, just not that big into sports. So eh. I can still watch a movie, though. I can still watch a good sports movie and, and appreciate the athleticism that's on display and the stories that go into the world of sports. Uh, and I think I just really found this movie to have a lot of passion and energy behind it. I think energy is probably the biggest thing that I would say this movie has going for it, is its sense of energy and, and love that is being shown towards the sport that is basketball. I didn't even have to be a basketball enthusiast to feel that connection coming through the screen. So I imagine to anybody that's a basketball fan out there, if you watch that movie, it would be even more rewarding for yourself. Uh, so for those reasons, I had to include Hustle on this list. Ah, oh, snap. Okay, this next one is one that I'm going to throw in maybe the first of a few that should have done better in that box office, and that is The Northman. The Northman! The Northman is on here for so many reasons. <clears throat> One, Robert Eggers is a phenomenal director, I think, right now. 
Uh, he's really made some great movies, and he's still very much so, I'd say, considered early into his hopefully long career in film. Uh, but let me look up the movies that this guy has made. <clears throat> So Robert Eggers hasn't made a ton of movies. I think this is his third studio film, uh, but he had uh, two knockouts right out of the park with The Witch and, and The Lighthouse. And The Northman, I would say, of of all of Eggers' films so far, is probably the most uh, commercially appealing. I mean, you have a big Viking epic. You have a stellar cast uh, with Alexander Skarsgård, Ethan Hawke, uh, Nicole Kidman, uh, Anya Taylor-Joy, uh, there's, there's a handful of others. I know, I know Willem Dafoe makes an appearance in it, but you have you have a stack cast, epic period piece, bloody, violent, real. Uh, it plays, dabbles in Norse mythology. There's uh, a lot of classic story elements of revenge uh, and, and just a lot of intense things going on in this movie. I think Eggers was able to still bring what makes his direction in movies special at this moment in his career, and he was able to bring that to a larger scale for this movie, The Northmen, uh, while it all, while also having it be a bit more easier to digest than his previous two films. No knocks against those, but the, you know, the, like The Lighthouse especially gets into some weird territory, uh, and if you're just the average moviegoer, you might not barely you might not really even like that. You might be off put by it. So the Northman bloody and violent as it gets sometimes may actually be an easier movie or, or entry point for you to get into. If you're going to become a Robert Eggers fan. Uh, let's see why, why else did I love the Northman? I think it looks fantastic. I mean, it is a very visually pleasing movie. Uh, it feels not that I can have any real world connection to, uh, you know, Nordic times, but it does feel like it feels very period accurate. And I think that Eggers from what I can tell is as far as his filmmaking goes and his passions go, he has a real connection, uh, and, and real love for the past. And I, I think he's done that for most all his movies, having them take place in the past. Um, you know, I'm just looking at this though. This is, this is bumming me out. I'm looking at the box office for this. The budget of this movie was between 70 and 90 million, and according to this, the box office for this thing was at like 69.6 million. So you can say it basically barely broke even, maybe even lost some money, uh, which I, I hope that improves over time because this is just a movie that needs to, you know, pick up an eventual audience, uh, whether it be cult or not, just through word of mouth or whatever, but it totally deserves the it deserves recognition it really does um brutal standout performance i think from alexander skarsgård probably it's probably my favorite movie i've actually seen with him i've i've seen him in other movies but never never anything like this uh and i just think if you if you like movies like gladiator um anything like that you would be foolish not to check out this movie and show it some love so definitely definitely check out the northman uh and also consider adding it to your best of 2022 list assuming that you keep one uh okay this next one it's yet another one that i don't know why more people at least i mean at least in the circles i follow i don't see a lot of people talking about this movie and that's 13 lives the film by ron howard about the infamous thai cave rescue that was was that in 20 was that in 2018 thai cave rescue when did it actually happen 
Well, I'm not looking at the cave and the documentaries. Uh, 2018. Yeah, that cave rescue was in 2018. And I know there's been... <clears throat> maybe that's what took away from the movie is that there was uh, that National Geographic documentary. There's since been other uh, tellings of the movie. So maybe people just got burnt out on the cave story. I don't know. Uh, but I'm telling you, <clears throat> this movie absolutely deserves to be on the list because A... You have the immaculate direction of Ron Howard behind the camera, along with producer Brian Grazer. Uh, They make a great team. They've made some great films together, and this one is certainly no exception to that. Uh, You have Ron Howard behind the camera doing, doing phenomenal. You also have a really great lead cast in Viggo Mortensen, Joel Edgerton, uh, and Colin Farrell. I thought they all were really good. Uh, in particular, I thought Viggo Mortensen was kind of the standout for me as far as the actual cast goes. Uh, but Colin Farrell was also terrific uh, as well. <clears throat> and I also want to give props to the production design of the movie because I felt and I saw a lot of the behind the scenes on this movie of the lengths they went to to actually recreate these these cave dives and the intricacies that they had to to go to to film it. Uh, certainly, certainly commendable. And I also just think as a story, I mean, you, you can't script something like this because it really happened. And I watched that original documentary I was telling you about, the National Geographic one. I've seen some of the other ones. And I think that it it did honorable, it did, it did honor or it, it proved to be, oh my God, why can't I say this? <clears throat> 13 Lives in no way did any sort of disservice to the original story. It didn't do any disservice to the documentaries. Uh, And I really think that it shows what true heroism looks like in the face of insurmountable odds. Uh, I think you have a great cast. You have fantastic team working behind the scenes to make the elements of the movie be as intense and visceral and raw as you can. Uh, and ultimately, it's just a great real story that happened in life that I think more people should know about and be aware of and and just sort of champion and root for because like something like this should not just be forgotten about after, you know, a year or two. I mean, something like this, like this is a story that can live on for a very, very long time. And I think Ron Howard and his team, uh, they captured this story beautifully. Oh, here comes the next one. Batman. Batman. The Batman, I should say. That's right, I'm Batman. The Batman makes the list because, yeah, I know it's yet another interpretation of Batman from another director, another actor, Robert Pattinson, playing Batman. But it made the list because it just really worked on a lot of different levels. Not saying that it's perfect. I think the movie drags on, even is a bit self-indulgent at times. Um, I don't want to say pretentious, but maybe a bit. You know, I mean, I, I get it. Matt Reeves was really proud of the the movie he was putting out there, and certainly there's some good-looking shots. But you probably could have trimmed out like 15, 20 minutes, and the movie would still work very well. But all that said, I really liked how. Gotham as a whole was depicted in this movie. I liked the ambiance and the vibe of it. Uh, I liked what they were going for overall with Robert Pattinson. I think if they are making sequels, which I'm pretty sure they already greenlit them. I don't think they've started filming it yet, but I'm pretty sure it's already happening. Um, 
I would like to see his version of the Batman, um, you know, be explored more because uh, I think there's definitely more stories to tell. Uh, like the chemistry between him and Zoe Kravitz, uh, Catwoman. I certainly like Colin Farrell uh, as the Penguin. Uh, only thing I couldn't quite get behind was uh, Paul Dano or Dano uh, as the Riddler. Uh, nothing against him. I, I think he's a really fantastic actor. I just don't know if his take of the Riddler was quite something that worked for me personally. That might just be subjective. Uh, hard to say exactly, but the the movie worked on a lot of different levels, and I really felt like Matt Reeves did a really solid job behind the camera, and you know, only really has to go up from here. I, I don't don't think there's much else to go unless the sequel sucks. But in any case, the Batman makes my list. This next one on the best of 2022 list is one that I actually, upon going back and just looking at all the different movies that came out in 2022, I was a little surprised to include this one on my list, but I, I think it deserves to be here. And that's the black phone. So the black phone made my list because I, really enjoyed a the story i like seeing ethan hawk play this type of sadistic twisted villain which ordinarily ethan hawk as diverse an actor as he is i don't really see him play villainous psychopathic types like this at all so i i felt it was a nice change of pace for him as an actor i felt it gave him uh certainly a lot to work with but what I think I liked the most about this story was the story itself and its unique way into the horror genre. Uh, you have a lot of different elements that are kind of mixing together, but they work well. You have a coming-of-age story. You have a kidnapping thriller story. You have a serial killer story, arguably, in there. Uh, but then you also have... Uh, a suspenseful uh, ghost story that's all being told uh, simultaneously at the same time with even a, a, a little slight, slight bit of comedy peppered in there just to break up the tension. Uh, so I thought that Scott Derrickson, the guy who directed this, he also previously worked with Hawk on Sinister, made the first Doctor Strange movie. Uh, he's had some successes. But I, I think the horror genre is, is, is kind of his bag, and, and it was nice to see him come back to it, and I just enjoyed the twists and turns that this story took. I don't know how effective it would be upon a rewatch, just because I feel like this is a movie that once you know the twists and turns the first time around, it's just not going to land as much the second. But I just felt it was unique, it was, it was a little different, uh, and it just was something that even, you know, kind of going back and again, revisiting my list that when I came across that one, I couldn't get it off my mind. And, you know, for those reasons, it's, it's making the list cause it's got staying power with me. Uh, this next one here, this is also one that I do have a solo podcast coming for just have not, uh, lined up the schedules yet with this guest to come back and talk about it. But that is, uh, avatar, the way of water. It does definitely, definitely make the best of 2022 list and again you got a handful of reasons for this a no you know don't bet against james cameron just don't do it okay the guy uh, he likes to defy odds he likes a challenge and i think he certainly is defying the odds once again with this one and i think one of the biggest challenges for this movie actually coming out is just the fact of when it's coming out at this time in in movie history and in, in, in history in general we're no longer in a pandemic, that's true, but you 
don't get to see a movie like this get released all that often. One that takes literal years, years to to make. Uh, you have probably well over 3,000 people, I think, is what I saw that worked on this movie. Uh, you have uh, sequels that were being shot simultaneously, new motion capture underwater effects, uh, terrific creature design from Cameron and team. Uh, you have fantastic uh, acting, performance capture outside of the stuff that's happening underwater. Um, you have intense messages in there about ocean conservation and, and so much more. And I don't know. I just I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, of course, you'll get my full thoughts on the solo dedicated podcast for it once I get to that point. Uh, but until then, I mean, I, I'd be stupid not to put this on the list just for the sheer spectacle and escapism that this movie offers. Uh, I just, I could not have been more pleased to go back to the world of Pandora. We're caught in a trap. I can't hold back. Okay, that is my god-awful Elvis impersonation, and that's because reason I do that shit impersonation is because Elvis is making my best of 2022 list. Uh, I was, a, I was quite a bit late to seeing this movie. I actually, truth be told, just watched it maybe a couple of days ago. Okay. So it is very fresh on my mind. So you could argue that it made the list because of that, but I will tell you the reason why it made the list is because a, I love a really good biopic movie. I'm interested in history uh, as well. So this one certainly crosses both those off the list of desirable things in a movie. I also really like uh, good performances. <laughs> Shocking, I know. A guy that likes movies uh, enjoys the people that act in them. <laughs> Crazy, right? Uh, but Austin Butler killed, killed it as, as Elvis Presley in this movie. Now, I am not of the generation that really grew up with Elvis. I, I never was able to see him in concert, but Elvis is the king, okay? He still, to this day, has a rabid fan base. People love him. They love his music. They love his legacy. They love all of it. And so for someone to step in and fill his shoes the way they did and do it so well and so convincingly... Uh, I mean, I, I know a lot of people were talking about, you know, how, how good Remy Malik was in Bohemian Rhapsody, the, the Queen biopic. I don't want to pit the two against each other necessarily, but I, I guess I'm going to. But Austin Butler as Elvis sure would give that performance a run for its money as far as which one is the better just straight performance. I'm not talking movie necessarily, but just the straight – oops, hang on. I'm just sitting up here. Just the straight performance – of an actor in a movie. I mean, he had the mannerisms down. He had the voice down. He had the look down, especially the moves. I think he did a lot of his own singing, though I'm sure they do some fancy work with the voice. Uh, but he just really embodied Elvis to me. And I also like that the movie didn't really shy away from the, the dark sides of him as well. Probably it could have arguably gone darker, especially towards the his ending days, but I felt the movie handled that in a tactful and delicate way. Uh, Tom Hanks, mm, interesting to talk about. I don't know. I like Tom Hanks a lot. I'm not going to say that this is a career best performance. I I guess I bought him as, as Colonel Tom Parker, but 
I don't know. I, at times it came off a little cartoony to me, a little caricature-y. I don't know if it's just because I, you know, you're taken out from you know the fat suit that Tom Hanks is wearing and all the makeup. Uh, I don't know necessarily, but I, I mean, I think he did a good job and, and it's also a different turn, uh, for Tom Hanks or a bit of a risk for Hanks to take on a role like this, considering his overall general persona that he has in movies. Um, love the music, uh, love the, the costume design, the production design, um, thought it was well shot. If I was going to knock the movie on anything else, aside from the questionable performance of Tom Hanks at times, I did think sometimes the movie was a bit jumbled, at least getting started, just because it it was moving very fast, jumping back and forth between a lot of different time frames. So I don't know structurally if it could have been tightened up and focused a bit more. Because Boz Lerman, he get he gets really big and bombastic with his movies sometimes, and and sometimes that helps. Um, but you know, I, I those those you know grievances aside, it wasn't enough to forget about how how much this performance really stuck out to me. And I'm sure, I'm sure come award season, if he's not, you know, recognized Austin Butler for something, I mean, shit, give this guy a golden globe at the very least. Um, I don't know. I mean, this is certainly a star making performance considering he never really had any big, big movies like this before. I uh, certainly think people are going to remember his name now uh, and, and likely so because he's going to be in a lot of the new bigger movies coming forward. I think solely off the strength of this one. So well, well done and deserved deserving of a movie to be on the list. <clears throat> okay. Now these next two uh, on the list, th- these will round out my best of 2022 here. I don't want to say honorable mentions, but I guess I will because these movies I wouldn't necessarily say are any better than what I've just mentioned. Um, I don't think they are, but you know what? Whatever. We'll, we'll just call these honorable mentions of, of 2022. Okay. First one would go to Father Stu. Uh, I talked about this movie on the podcast a while ago, but the reason why I go back and add this to the list is because just just because of what it did for, to, to me anyway, for what it did for religious movies, Father Stu makes it on the list as an honorable mention because of the authenticity I felt that it brought to a genre of film being religious movies that ordinarily, to me at least, don't always feel that authentic and real and true to life. Sometimes I think religious movies can feel corny, they can feel preachy, they can feel... Uh, cheap. They, they they just don't always feel uh, that that real impactful. And Father Stew is not a perfect movie, but I certainly appreciated it by far and none compared to other religious movies I've seen. Just because of um, the writing behind the movie, I mean, I really felt like the characters talked like you know like real people. You know, they'd curse. Uh, you don't usually see that in religious movies. I also thought that just the true story of the matter of, of Father Stewie is an unorthodox priest, to say the least. So I felt that that dynamic was really interesting to watch uh, in the movie. And I did really enjoy seeing um, the chemistry that Mark Wahlberg and Mel Gibson had together playing father and son. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes the list. Not not you know, easily necessarily, but it certainly does make the list because I still enjoy the movie uh, to this day. All right. And now for the, the last best of 2022, or 
in this case, the, the last honorable mention that I have is the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, I got to give this one an honorable mention on here because of what Nicolas Cage brings to this movie. It's sort of a celebration of his career thus far. I think it's always bold as well for an actor to play a version of himself and also be so vulnerable and, and poke fun at the highs and lows of, of his career. Uh, so I really enjoyed seeing that. I, I don't think the movie is perfect by any stretch. I, I actually think the movie held back a little bit in some categories uh, or some respects and that it actually could have been a bit more. Um, but I did enjoy Nicolas Cage quite a bit in it. I like that he had the humility to play with his career the way he did. And I really did dig the chemistry that he had with Pedro Pascal. Um, really, really enjoyed that. And so for those reasons, it does make the list. <clears throat> Okay, uh, that is the best of 2022 right there. That, at least for screen speak anyway, people. I, I'm sure, I, I, I'm not, hell, I'm not sure. I know there are other movies that would probably make this list had I actually gotten around to seeing them. But hey, I can't be everywhere all, I can't be everywhere everything, what, what, you know, you, the, the multiverse joke. That, that's what I was trying to say. I can't be everywhere all at once. That's what I'm trying to say. It would be nice. would be nice, but it's just not feasible. Uh, okay, but that's the best of 2022. Now, on to the worst, the shit piles, the dog shit, the awful, awful, <laughs> awful, awful movies. Uh, fortunately, this will not go very long because, as I said towards the beginning of the podcast, I didn't really see that many shitty movies, but I did see a couple, so I will go ahead and mention those. Uh, starting with what I'm going to go ahead and say, for me at least, is my least favorite movie, uh, worst movie of 2022. And that is Black Adam. <laughs> Black Adam. Ugh. P.U. Good riddance. Black Adam. I'll say that. <laughs> okay. That's aggressive, right? That's a bit too aggressive. I, I mean, shit. Dwayne Johnson and the crew that made that movie probably didn't deserve that. Uh, but... I, you know, I, I think it needs to be said a little bit because this movie was a bitch to get through, bitch and a half to get through. Ugh, it was rough. And, and I don't know what I was thinking because the marketing, I admit, for this movie, it kind of sold me. You know, I'll be honest. I didn't give a shit about Black Adam. I didn't know anything about him. I, I knew that, that it was like a passion project with Dwayne Johnson's. Uh, he had been everywhere on Instagram and every damn talk show known on earth talking about the thing. I admit, I watch a lot of entertainment coverage, so I'm checking it out. I'm kind of buying into it. You know, he's doing his rock thing and promoting the hell out of it. So I kind of bought it. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to check this movie out. Despite having zero real interest in Black Adam, I don't know. Okay. But I went ahead. I went ahead because the, the marketing sold me and I went to watch Black Adam and oh boy, let me tell you, I I had a hard time with this one. It started off kind of promising. I mean, you have a voiceover from a, an actor that's supposed to be like young Dwayne Johnson explaining the history of wherever the hell he came from and how he gets his powers and all that. And then you have these kind of sorry, useless characters introduced. And I just felt like for like at least 20 minutes or so, I'm like, what is happening? Like, just like, where are we going? Stuff is happening. And in fact, I could call this, that, that could be, that could be the title of this movie. Stuff happens. The movie with Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> uh, 
eventually I remember he gets introduced and I don't know. I, I think I was expecting more because of all the, again, the hype he put behind this being like, yeah, this is a, this is a character I really care about it. In, in fact, that here, I'll just put in a clip of him promoting this. I'm sure I can find one here somewhere. Guys, for me, Black Adam is the one. It's the movie of my career, the most important movie I've ever done, um, arguably will ever do. So I guess because of that, I was expecting him to, you know, to pull something out of his acting hat and and, and do something a little different than what I've seen him been doing uh, for a while. And nope, I didn't get that. It was, it was Dwayne Johnson, uh, more beefed up. He worked out really hard, uh, but he was wearing a hood. And, and he beat up people, killed some people. In fact, I guess that's supposed to be his edge. You know, he's just like, you know, he's like, superhero. what is that clip from the movie? The superheroes don't kill people. Well, I do. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just felt like this movie went nowhere. Dwayne Johnson, I, I'm sure he cared about this. He certainly seemed to because he put all this work in, but... I couldn't really connect with him as a character. I felt like it was really shallow. There wasn't hardly anything to go off of. I didn't give a shit about the supporting cast of this. Uh, you have Pierce Brosnan. That was like a bright spot just because I'm like, hey, Pierce Brosnan. I, I liked him. He, he's, you know, James Bond. Uh, he's in Mrs. Doubtfire. Hell, he's in that movie The Matador for the film people out there that even know what that movie is. Um, but even he couldn't, he couldn't save this one. The, the plot was weak. Uh, the acting overall was weak. Uh, by the time the end credits rolled around and they had the the now infamous tacked on Superman scene that we already know isn't going to happen anymore because of the whole DCU shakeup with James Gunn. Um, yeah, I just uh, I, I couldn't care less about this movie. And, and I was actually kind of happy that it bombed because... I sometimes get tired of, of seeing a movie like this just make money solely off the fact because of it's a superhero movie. It's like just sometimes the shitty movies just need to suck so that the studio gets the message and be like, hey, we're not just going to dump a truckload into something like this. We're going to actually, you know, put it over to something that maybe either deserves it or is more worthy of the risk. And I felt like they just backed this movie because of the star power of Dwayne Johnson. Um but I don't know. It just it didn't work for me. If there's going to be a sequel or something to this, I mean, shit, I don't know. Do it into like a streaming service or something. Uh, make it some miniseries or some made-for-TV movie that I'll never watch. But I, I really was just like, get this movie out of my face. That's two hours of my life I can't get back. Just get out. Okay, <laughs> I got one more stink bomb to cover here, and if I can think of another, uh, I guess I'll say that, and then I'm going to go into the most anticipated movies of 2023. Um, the other bad movie that I saw this year was Bullet Train. Uh, and, and, and I'll say this, it's not like so obvious to me like a Black Adam where I was clearly just shitting all over it for the last bit of the podcast, but... This movie to me was also kind of under the category of just forgettable and also stuff happens the movie. <laughs> That's, I could also call this that too because you have a you have a big ensemble cast. You got Brad Pitt. I I, I know he is a he is a bankable lead. Don't get me wrong, and I, and I like I like me some Pitt. I do. He he is a really good actor, and he's been in some great films. 
but I could not care less about this movie. He is a hitman who's like kind of gun shy and like he wants to be at peace, but yet of course he has to kill the shit out of people while on a train. Um, you have a bunch of other assassins with a convoluted plot where they all are weaving in and out of each other's stories and they all have some connection to one another. Uh, you do have some good choreography. I'll, I'll give it that. I mean, you got some nice, well done action choreography. I don't want to talk shit about that, but the story, the story, the, the bare thing that has to make the movie be interesting and matter. I just didn't care. I didn't care. And I, and I thought I was going to, at some point I, I'm, you know, 15, 20 minutes in, I'm like, uh, it's just probably a slow start. You know, it'll, it'll get there. It'll get there. You know, you got nice visuals. You got bread, bread pit, uh, got some stuff happening. You got that bad bunny guy. Apparently he's popular. Uh, there's stuff happening, but no, it, it, it just didn't come. Uh, more convoluted things kept happening, more just loud in your face action that didn't really feel like it served anything to the actual story. It, it, it kept happening. And I just, by the time this movie was done, I was like, okay, well, um, that happened. All right. On with my life. And <laughs> that, that's pretty much that. So I just, yeah, I, I'll, I'll save you the trouble. Don't watch Bullet Train or Black Adam, and and you'll probably thank me later, or or do watch it and and say that you liked it or that you hated it. I don't, I don't really know. You do what you want with your time. You don't have to do something just because I tell you to. Uh, but those those two, like that, those two were the ones that that really that really sucked this year. Uh, let me see if there's any others though. Uh, worst movies of 2022. Let's see. Oh, yeah, there was Morbius. I didn't watch Morbius, but I heard a lot of people did not like that movie. Uh, let's see. Oh, Variety. Let's let's go with that. Variety has the worst movies of 2022 list. I will look at them, see if they're right. They're already going to win me over a little bit on this because they have the stupid Twinkies in this. In other words, the Minions. Ugh. <clears throat> Yeah, let's see. What do, what do they say is the worst? <clears throat> okay, they said Amsterdam is on there, that David O. Russell movie. It, yeah, I didn't hear anything great about it. It just looked like a shitload of famous people doing doing theater stuff. Uh, Minions, The Rise of Gru, apparently that's bad. I, I If I didn't make it abundantly clear just a second ago, I don't give a crap about the Minions, and they bug me for few reasons i probably come off as a grumpy old asshole in that but it, they just the, they don't work for me uh this one's kind of weird bones and all vanity fair saying bones and all is is shit but i i felt like i've seen some people that actually did like this movie i don't know might have to see that one just to see but i it was kind of it was kind of weird. I mean, you know, the, the premise, you have like a, a, a teen romance, but but they're cannibals and they eat people. I mean, they, I, I don't know. I'll have to check that out. Uh, they say Firestarter sucks. Zach Efron. I, I honestly don't care. Probably will never watch it. Uh, 3,000 Years of Longing. I heard mixed things about that as well. Some people I thought liked this a lot, but I guess Vanity Fair thinks it sucks. Um... Oh, and they put blonde. Is this is this right? They put blonde on here? Hang on. Let me just make sure I'm reading this right. Yeah, they put blonde. That's the Marilyn Monroe movie with Ana de Armas. I don't know. 
I'll have to watch that because I thought some people liked that too. Divisive opinions here on Vanity Fair. Uh, some movie called Big Bug. I've literally never heard of it, but eh. Uh, the Bubble. I was curious about this movie because I like Judd Apatow. I like that David Duchovny was in it. And it seemed like an interesting movie, like people making a movie during a pandemic or something like that. Uh, but apparently it sucks. Spiderhead, I, I do remember some people saying that that was crap. Uh, haven't seen it, but it is interesting because it's from Joseph Kaczynski, who did direct uh, Top Gun Maverick, and yet in the same year apparently releases a shit pile called Spiderhead. But hey, I ain't going to say fully that it is in fact that because I have not seen it. So we'll see. Uh, the movie, some movie called the three, five, five. I do remember seeing a trailer for that. It was like a bunch of women and women ensemble action piece, I guess. Well, the good news is I haven't seen any of those. Let me, let me just do my due diligence here and wade through some poo and see if there is any other movie that sucks <laughs> that I didn't see this year. Uh, let's see, worst, 2022 worst movies. I don't know what happened to my original search, but it went away. All right, Metacritic, you're the last stop on here before I continue on with life. All right, this is Metacritic's worst, and I guess I'll just go through this and see if I agree with any of this. Let's see, The School of Good and Evil. Mm, I don't know. I didn't see it, so I couldn't tell you, but eh. Purple Hearts. Mm, nope, don't know that. Fisher, Fisherman's Friends, uh, one and all. Uh, well, haven't seen that one, but I guess I guess it's not good. The mean one. I don't know what that is. Maybe I'll just keep going until I read one of these that's relevant. Uh, let's see, keep going. Don't know what that is. Also, don't know. I guess that maybe there's a reason why you're not supposed to hear about a lot of the, you know, the shitty movies because they're bad, right? So they're not supposed to get a lot of reviews. Uh, apparently Liam Neeson made a stinker this year called Blacklight. I don't know. He, he you know, he's made a couple of eh, movies sometimes. Uh, nope. Let's keep going. Nope. 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 I'm going to do the fast forward on here for a second. Nope. Nope. Uh, did they? Oh, they released another one of these like Skype movies. Has anyone ever seen the trailers for those? I, I know there was a good one. Um, was it called? Uh, it's got like John Cho in it. I can't think of what the movie is that I heard was good, uh, but the rest of them just kind of seem like a cash grab. Um, okay. Nope. Man. Someone on Metacritic must have watched some crap because I do not remember any of these movies. Uh, oh, and oh, I think that's it. Okay, so uh, I think I, I think you get the point. There were some stinkers, uh, but overall, you know, some pretty solid movies for 2022. So there's that. Okay, gonna run through now what I would consider to be my most anticipated of 2023. Okay. Uh, tried to be a little organized about this list, but I'm just going to kind of rapid fire through these, uh, rattle off some things that I'm looking forward to about it. And, and then I'll start to just wind this down. Cause, cause I'll be honest, I'm, I'm recording this a little bit later at night. I got to get to bed. I, I know, I know 
It's like you're just like, come on, man. Like, what? What the hell? Why are Why are we listening to you? We don't We don't care when you when you are producing this shit. Just give it to us. Just give it to us. Give us the content. We don't care about you. You don't need to have energy. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making you out to be also heartless like that, but eh, it is what it is. Okay. So the first movie so far that I think I'm really looking forward to in 2023 is Cocaine Bear or Cocaine Bear. I felt like I said, my cocaine, uh, Mike Cocaine, Cocaine Bear. Now, if that title doesn't stand out as far as a movie title goes, I don't know what will, but check out the synopsis for this movie. Okay. I got, I got to look this up if I can even spell cocaine. It's probably a good thing that I can't spell that. Okay. So this is the synopsis that's available on Google. And actually, according to this, it comes out February 24th of 2023. I don't know why I had this uh, in March, but whatever. Uh, the story is, is an oddball group of cops, criminals, tourists, and teens converges in a Georgia forest after a 500-pound black bear ingests a large amount of cocaine and goes on a drug-fueled rampage. Uh, I guess it's loosely based on a true story, probably loosely on the part that there was a bear, uh, also known as Pablo Esco bear, which I think is a freaking hilarious name and amazing. Uh, but it's a real thing that happened. There is a drug renters that dropped a bunch of drugs accidentally. I think it landed in the forest. A bear got super high off of it. And I'm sure probably the rest of the events in the movie are made up based around the bear getting super high. But it does seem like a pretty fun concept for a movie and just a good time. And it also will mark one of the last appearances that we'll see from the late, great Ray Liotta. So I definitely want to check that out. Uh, I'm also really excited to see Creed 3. Uh, I really enjoyed Creed 1 a lot. Creed 2 is, I'll be honest, like, eh. Like, it, it's fine. It's not a bad movie. I, I'm sure if I actually rewatched it again, I'd probably still enjoy it. Uh, but the first one is the one that really stands out for me. But why I want to see this is because, A, I, I'm forever a fan of the Rocky now franchise or universe because I, I know Rocky's not in this one. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see what it's going to be like without Sylvester Stallone <clears throat> being being present on screen. I still think he's serving as a producer in a respect, but for those that pay attention, there's been drama recently with him uh, and the rights over Rocky, so I'm not sure if he will be very present during the press tour of the movie, but we'll see. But in any case, <clears throat> you have the continuation of the story of Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan. I think Michael B. Jordan is really great as Creed, and he's also stepping behind the camera uh, for the first time to direct this movie. So I think there's a lot of things that, that are going around that movie that really do interest me. And honestly, the trailer looks pretty good, and Jonathan Majors is a big, big up-and-comer, uh, and I think he looks like a pretty good opponent for Creed uh, to face off in, in this movie, so definitely want to see it. <clears throat> uh, John Wick Chapter 4, um, give it to me. Just let, let's go. I, I really like the John Wick movie so far. The franchise seems to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, you could argue that this is something that didn't need to extend past the first one, but I mean, until, until they fuck it up, I mean, pr like pr prove me wrong, you know, Keanu Reeves freaking nearly 58, I think, uh, maybe a year or two younger than that, but he still got it. 
uh, still is committing, giving his all to the story. They're not just doing the same thing. Uh, each movie is doing something different. This one looks like it's going to be borrowing a lot of uh, themes from Japanese culture and even Japanese cinema. Uh, I think that's exciting. You have him fighting Donnie frickin' Yen. I mean, come on. Donnie Yen, has anyone not seen It Man? If you haven't seen It Man, ugh, okay, watch watch It Man. Hell, watch all of them before John Wick 4 comes out and you'll thank me later. It's well worth it. Uh, but I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I, I love, uh, love Keanu, love the, the director behind it so far. I think they're a great team. And again, until, until they start really sliding and having them suck, uh, that, you know, they got me, they got my money. So I'm in, Uh, I do want to see the, the, that new Dungeons and Dragons movie, not because I'm some diehard fan of Dungeons and Dragons, I'll be honest, I've never even played it. I, I also did see that really shitty movie with, uh, what is it, Marlon Wayans from like the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, God, does anybody anybody remember that movie? Uh, well, I- if you do, uh, cheers. But uh, I-, I think you're hopefully going to uh, be, be in a better place once this new movie, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, comes out. I like the cast. I like Chris Pine, like Michelle Rodriguez. It does look fun. Uh, just looks like a fun fantasy film. So I'm like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. If it sucks, then then whatever. It's bad. Uh, but it does look like it could be a good time at the theaters. So, uh, yeah, I'll add it to the list. Uh, as we move down the list in 2023, we do have the new Super Mario Brothers movie coming out. Uh, I definitely want to check that out. Uh, controversy aside with Chris Pratt's, you know, Italian or non-Italian voice aside, I'm just a really big Mario fan. I love the video games. I still play them. Uh, love me some Donkey Kong too. He's part of that world. Um, and the movie looks like it's incorporating a lot of the different, uh, Mario games in there and the animation looks beautiful. So yeah, uh, I want to check it out. There's also this movie called Renfield coming out. I don't know a ton about it other than the fact that Nicolas Cage is playing a version of Dracula and that alone pretty much has me in before I even know what the hell the rest of the movie is about. It could be serious. It could be comical. Either way, that's that's a recipe for success right there. So I'm in. Uh, and speaking of being in, I am still in after the first one that came out, I think in 2001, and that is Fast 10. Fast 10, your seatbelts, ride or die, family. That was supposed to be a car revving. Uh, yeah, Fast 10 makes the list. Uh, at this point, it's mostly morbid curiosity, like, like I said, I, I've been a fan since the original. Uh, I really do really like, uh, dare I say, love um, some of those early Fast and Furious movies. And e- even like, uh, you know, one, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six, seven uh, of all those movies. I think Tokyo Drift, uh, the fifth one, and uh, bah, 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 even even Furious 7. Like, I really like, really like those movies. Um but now it's like, what, what the hell are we doing? Like, why are we going still? I guess it's just to see, you know, they went to space in the last one. So maybe in this one they can breach another dimension and, and go back to when the movies actually used to be about cars. Uh, but in any case, I, I'm, I'm going to see it. So, yep. Yep. Universal, Comcast, you got you got my money. Just take it. I'll, I'll go. Then, then 
Oh, just bang the microphone around. Uh, yep. Vin, uh, love you. Love you, buddy. Good job, Vin. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. In June, we got the, the new The Flash movie. And that's assuming it does actually come out in June because this, this thing could get freaking shut down or put out on streaming or direct video. Who the hell knows? All the Ezra Miller legalese and craziness going around with him. Uh, they say it's coming out, uh, but even with all the big changes shaken up in the DCU, um, I don't know. It's anybody's guess really to see what version of this movie we get and let alone if it does anything or maybe it'll just be like Black Adam where it exists and we enjoy seeing Michael Keaton as Batman, but past that, uh, it's really tough to say. Then June 30th, we have Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Uh, I should feel fortunate that I have been alive long enough to be able to see a fifth and presumably final question mark Indiana Jones movie for Harrison Ford. Um, I'm excited for this one. I mean, who am I kidding? I like Indiana Jones a lot. I love Harrison Ford as the character. Not every movie is great. Um, looking at you, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, but I think we, the the audience, just want to see that character go out on a high note. Um, if they eventually want to like spin it out and do like another prequel or, I don't know, make a new character in that world, they can. But I think, I think the fedora, you know, gets laid to rest uh, with Indy, you know, with Harrison Ford once. God, God forbid. I'm not. I don't want to kill Harrison Ford with this podcast, but. Um, you know, I just, the guy can't do it forever. He's already 80. Uh, I think he's, if he's not 80, he's going to be soon. And I just want to see the character get final justice and, you know, just have one last ride. Uh, Jesus, I sound just like fast and furious, but I'm really excited to see it. I I like James Mangold a hell of a lot. It'll be interesting to see what he does behind the camera outside of Steven Spielberg. Um, very, very, very interested to see the movie and just hope that it does justice to the character and the world of Indiana Jones. <clears throat> uh, in July, I know Christopher Noller's new movie Oppenheimer's coming out. Definitely excited to see that. I heard that they did their best to recreate a freaking A-bomb explosion with practical effects and capturing it all on camera. That's crazy. Um, you have Cillian Murphy, who ordinarily... I don't want to say ordinarily. He's been a lead in certain things, but he hasn't been a lead in a big, big movie like this in a long time. Uh, and I certainly think he's overdue to do that. He's a phenomenal actor. Really liked him in movies, uh, you know, like Christopher Nolan's Batman movies. I thought he was a good scarecrow. Liked him in 28 Days Later, uh, Peaky Blinders. He was good in that. Um, he's been good. Been good in a lot of things, and he seems to be a right, the right fit to play Robert Oppenheimer. And just the story of Oppenheimer for those history buffs out there, um, it's fascinating. Really, really fascinating. I, I've tried not to, not to do too much research before checking out the movie, um, but I have a feeling I'll probably go down a rabbit hole before I actually watch the movie just so that I can fully appreciate what's on display with it. But I'm, I'm very, very curious about it. Uh, looks like it'll be a really th- thrilling cinematic experience and, and definitely something I want to check out. Uh I'm really surprised to have this next one on my most anticipated list, and that's Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Uh, yeah, yeah, you heard that right. I'm looking forward to the Barbie movie. Why? Well, apart from the cast and, and the talent, it's just I don't know what to expect from it. 
Uh, I even saw the trailer, and it basically just was an homage to 2001 at Space Odyssey, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, I freaking love that movie, as does most anybody that's in the film world, but I don't know. It's like, I just, I can't put my thumb on what this movie is going to be. I don't know what its tone's fully going for. I don't know what the story is, but it's got my curiosity just based off of who's involved with it and the way it's shaping up so far. So for questionable curiosity uh, and potential greatness with this movie, I, I'm going to I'm going to keep it on, on my anticipated in 2023 list. Uh, let's see. Let's keep looking down throughout the year. There is another Equalizer movie that's coming out with Denzel. Uh, I did not like the last one really at all. It was just kind of a, blech, just whatever. Uh, but I'm curious because it's Denzel Washington. And yeah, the guy can put out some duds from time to time, but he is somebody that I will pretty much watch just about anything he's in because he's that good. Uh, and he keeps coming back to Equalizer, I guess, for a reason, considering he won't do that with any other uh, project in, in his in his filmography. So, yeah, I, I'm curious why he's coming back. Maybe it'll be worth it. Maybe it won't. I don't know. But I like Denzel, so I want to see it. Uh, believe it or not, there is a fourth Expendables movie coming out. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to say I really am looking forward to it, but again, uh, this one just kind of falls to morbid curiosity. I'm curious why it's being made. I saw that Megan Fox apparently is going to be an expendable. Um, I don't know. And, and hey, I might be wrong. Maybe I watched the movie and I'm like, oh, shit, Megan Fox is a badass. Like, who, who knew? Um, but yeah, it's there. But the next one here is definitely, definitely a big, big anticipated movie of 2023. And that's going to be Dune Part 2. Um, we all know how Dune part one went down, uh, happily own that one on 4k, uh, love the movie. I've watched it now since a couple other times at home. Uh, this next one, uh, can't wait to see Denny Villeneuve continue the story, see where it goes. I haven't read the book. I read part of it and I admit the, the dipshit in me was like, oh, this is hard to read. Just watch the movie. Uh, so, so that's, that's what, (laughs) that's what I guess I'm doing. Uh, but I'm very, very much looking forward to that. I, I think Denny Villeneuve, his his career is on fire right now, and I think he is basically a sci-fi god. Okay, so he's very, very good. I mean, it could suck. Hey, it could always suck. But uh, I, I mean, again, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Denny. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to because I am super. I'm just super psyched to see this movie and Christopher Walken. People, Christopher Walken is the emperor. I mean, let's go. Let's go. Uh, and then the last one that I'm looking forward to, curiously, not morbid curiosity-wise, but eh, I'm curious about it, is they're doing another Willy Wonka movie, uh, kind of like an origin thing, which you could argue that weird Johnny Depp, Tim Burton one had elements of that. Uh, but Timothy Chalamet, he is going to play Willy Wonka. He's also going to be in Dune. So could be good, but I don't know. Isn't that guy just working all the time? Timothy Chalamet. I mean, shit, he's in, he's coming in the Wonka movie. He's in Dune Part 2. He's in that Don't Look Up, that Meteorite movie. He eats people and bones and all. Uh, shit, I think he was in a couple other movies, too. He's just freaking everywhere. Uh, but, I mean, I guess that's just because the guy's really good. Uh, but anyways, Willy Wonka, iconic character. Be interesting to see what he does to it. So, I don't know. 
but with all that said, I, I, I think that's most of the anticipated movies that I'm really looking forward to for 2023. I'm sure there's others, and with any luck, I'll watch every single one of the movies that I said and talk about it on the podcast. So we shall see. But in any case, folks, I am going to finally stop talking on this episode. I'm going to wind this down, wrap this up by saying a few things to you right now. First, if you've been listening all year, uh, honestly, sincerely, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Really does mean a lot to me. Um, Gives me continued motivation to continue to crank out episodes, continue to try to make this thing be the best that I can make it be for you. Um, and I, and I wouldn't be able to do any of that without your support for, for listening and, and talking about the podcast with your friends, your family, uh, just doing what you do to, to be a part of this and to help me grow it. So I, I, I can't do it without you. So thank you very much. Um, also speaking of next year, I, I'm going into the new year with hope. I'm going into it with some excitement. I I got some new uh, audio equipment for the podcast. I'm excited to use that with more guests, hopefully more in-person guests, so I can get that experience and and share it with you all on the podcast. Uh, I'm excited for the new content that I have coming. I'm trying very hard right now to get some new guests on uh, outside of the ones I've had. Uh, Working on getting some recurring guests. I'm also working on uh, some potential original content. I I don't want to give too many specifics on that in case it doesn't fully happen, but I am drafting some things right now, uh, working out some ideas, going to see if I can get them and, uh, to go anywhere. Um, but if it does, you know, you, the screen speak audience will be the first to hear about that. And that will, uh, hopefully come again in 2023. But, uh, we're not stopping. Like this ain't slowing down. I'm going to keep watching movies, going to keep talking about them. Hopefully you're going to keep listening <laughs> to me talking about them. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm very excited for what the new year holds. And I hope everybody that's listening has a phenomenal rest of their 2022, early 2023. Let's kick some ass in the new year and go out with a bang. Uh, but until then, until next time, catch y'all in the next episode but y'all take care and have an amazing amazing new year see ya i just realized i never actually said my favorite movie of 2022 so let me just pick one of those off that list uh let's see Avatar, The Way of Water, bam, you get it. You are my favorite movie of 2022. So there you go. Biggest movie of 2022 becomes my favorite movie of 2022. So there, I definitively said it. And uh, just realized this is the first post credit scene, if you will, uh, in this podcast. So, okay, goodbye, everybody.